0: Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill. With natural foods, they support organic, vegan, paleo, and gluten free lifestyles. Learn more about their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member supported food radio network, broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry. Inside the Battle Over School Food and Beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Oh, I like
2: Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. And yesterday, I made a delicious lentil and uh, tomato soup, saru, or uh, rasam. And uh, it was was a recipe by my guest. It's Chitra Agarwal. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for joining. Um, We're here to talk about her latest book, Vibrant India, Fresh... (coughs) Vegetarian Recipes from Bangalore to Brooklyn. Actually, your first book, so congrats. Thank you. And um, you were on the show like several years ago, uh, and I can't remember why. We were just talking about your blog. You, so you've been writing the blog, The ABCDs of Cooking, for several years. And then you launched Brooklyn Deli, a line of uh, condiments. That um, yep. <clears throat> So you've it really expanded, and now you have a book. That's so right. A lot has changed. <laughs> congrats. Thank you. Um, No, I remember why we were talking about uh, whatever we were talking about several years ago. I think we had a dinner um, at at Jimmy's. Jimmy's, Yeah, number 43. and Okay, so first of all, flipping through this book, there are so many fun memories of things that you've made, like for picnics or potlucks or for cook-offs. When I first met you, you made a Saru... Uh, what's it called? Gazpacho. Gazpacho Yeah For a cook-off And you won it <laughs> Yep And then I published The recipe for it On my blog and, I still uh, have that
3: That pot set That I won Oh yeah She
2: won a cook, <laughs> cookware set um, That was really <laughs> That was like in 2008 Or nine Or something and
3: Yeah It yeah. was a while
2: ago But anyway, so, and, uh, you know, full circle, I made this recipe the original way, not the gazpacho way, uh, yesterday from your new book. So congrats. This is so exciting. Thank you. Vibrant India. So, okay, Chitra, you go to length to sort of explain... In the beginning, um, you know, you're not going to see chicken tikka masala in this book. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. No so. chicken tikka masala. <laughs> because, you know, when we tend to think of Indian food here, we think of uh, samosas and hearty curries with uh, maybe some paneer in um, mm-hmm. um which is northern Indian food. Yep. But your food um, focuses on South Indian. That's right. Um, so your mother's from Bangalore?
3: Yeah, so my mom is from Bangalore in South India, but actually my dad is from North mm-hmm. India. So, But they met in Bangalore. Yeah, they met okay, in Bangalore. So they they a- both went to school there. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, uh, but this food is very much Bangalore-style cooking, right, South right. Indian cooking. Okay, so um, what are the distinctions,
2: aside from, like, I don't know, those, like, kind of Things that you think of when you think of Indian food, like the common dishes, the curries, and the chicken tikka masala yeah, yeah. and stuff. I mean, are there? Because South India, India is a huge country, and uh, South and
3: North are just really broad distinctions in their own, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, if you go to the West and the East, you will find all different types of um, different specialties or uh, different ways of cooking. And um, but I feel that even within North and South, so there's a big difference. Between North and South, so it's like yeah, the non so curry hmm. roti, all of that that you find in many of the restaurant, the Indian restaurants is a lot of times North Indian cooking. Um, so, and that's because. More, uh, most of the immigrants who first came to America were
2: from North India. That's right. And that's why we think of that. That okay. was the
3: first wave of immigration mm-hmm. from India was more North Indian. Um, and so uh, that's that's the reasoning behind it. Now there's more South Indian, more people from everywhere, everywhere. in India. Um, but you will find, you know, some South Indian restaurants here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, it's just not as prevalent as right. the North Indian cuisine. Um, and I mean, there's so much variation. It's just yeah. like even in writing this, there's book, so many states within
2: South India. Yeah, uh, totally, there's like, and uh, you know, you sometimes see that in restaurants, like or recipes. There's like the Goan stew or something like that, or the Carolyn something yes. curry. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are different states within South India itself. Exactly,
3: and I, yeah. I try, in the book, it's um, because a lot of South Indian restaurants in the U.S., you'll find um, South Indian dishes in in a Tamil language, which mm-hmm. is a different state than where my mom is from. Uh, so her, her language is Kannada, so uh-huh. I listed uh, the recipes in her language, but sometimes if there was more popular dishes, um, then I would also put the Tamil mm-hmm. um, word in there, just in case. Right, right. So yeah.
2: would you say to be more specific, <laughs> your book is most Bangalore style, or yeah, um, what is it called? Karnataka, Karnataka, yeah. which is the state that Bangalore is in, yeah. Or did you try to, like, get a swath of all of South Indian?
3: Well, I have one Kerala recipe in there, Mm -hmm. which is um, for avial, which actually came from my mother's childhood friend who married a man from Kerala. So So, he became adopted in your family. Yeah. Yeah. But that dish is made in Karnataka as well. But um, for the uh, for the book, I wanted to get her um, her husband's family's recipe because I thought that would be fun to share so awesome yeah you know
2: that it's really cool that you're you're doing such a extensive job of of sharing this cuisine from would you call, i mean is it Bangalorean? is that like something i would
3: i guess i, I say, mean or you can say i mean Carita. it's it's funny because now there's so many different kinds of people from india living in bangalore just because yeah. of the tech industry it's a boom. huge city yeah so um so it's it's hard to say but my my family has been in that area for centuries and generations, mm-hmm. so I, I I kind of refer to it as Bangalorean or Brahmin style cooking uh-huh, to be even uh-huh. more specific
2: cool so okay, so we can go from South I- Indian to <laughs> um, but I really love that you know you go through lengths to describe some of the reasons for the ingredients used or not used in this book. Um, one chiefly meat yes (laughs) so these are all vegetarian recipes but you you say that um you know your family comes from this brahmin uh line Mm
3: -hmm. and then they have
2: certain rituals and things that they do or don't eat
3: yeah which is really cool
2: to learn because like you know it gives you context
3: to what i'm cooking and um, yeah there's a cultural history behind it all and I mean with my parents they come from different castes right so um, my father's style of cooking has uh, may have ingredients like onions or, or garlic in mm-hmm. it um, but my mom's family um, those were two ingredients that traditionally are, are not cooked in Brahmin homes right um, I mean as time has gone on of course onions have been introduced into a lot <laughs> of the cuisine and I include onions in the book um, but my mom does not cook with garlic even right. today Um, I think I have like one or two recipes that have garlic in the book, which I think is kind of um, different from a lot of other Indian cookbooks that um, rely heavily on kind of like that garlic, ginger, Mm -hmm. uh, chili, onion. And onion. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really i was I was actually wondering that when I was cooking this uh, lentil and tomato soup yesterday. <laughs> but actually, onions and garlic are also something that they don't eat in really strict Buddhist uh, vegetarian diets too. Exactly, so, uh, along with heat, you know, s- spicy food and meat, of course. So there's there's reasons for this, and it it goes, it, it you explain really well, I think, how it has to do with overall well being and healthfulness, and it goes back to the Ayurvedic, you know groups of foods that and flavors and so forth so yeah it's definitely
3: it's not just um, like know, it, kind of arbitrary <laughs> like food as medicine really right. I mean right so it's uh, this that holistic approach mm-hmm. um, including yoga meditation sometimes and, it's called the yoga diet right right <laughs> and bathing yourself before you cook yes you said your grandmother <laughs> never entered the kitchen to cook anything
2: until she yeah. What is it? Like immediately before you come <laughs> you have to bathe or or, like how, or, how soon or
3: you just have <laughs> like, you don't have to bathe right before but just you well,
2: have
0: you to said, bathe before I was like, Wait, what does this mean? <laughs>
3: Yeah, just just uh, I cook you a have a shower so I would have to Shower a lot. Yeah, yeah. No making your <laughs> like coffee like um, just after you wake up. <laughs> really? Well, I mean, you oh. have to. Yeah, you oh have God. to. You can't enter the the. Um, what kitchen. if you slept the night or bathed <laughs> the night before you slept? Hmm, That's a good question. I, I feel like <laughs> I have to get back to you on that one.
2: <laughs> okay, one thing is interesting is that um, there's this spice called asafoetida. Yes. And if anyone has ever handled it or smelled it, it's very distinctive. And I could never quite put my finger on what it tasted like or smelled like, except for, and I need to say it, it smells kind of like feet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
3: Yes, but it's cute. sometimes called, like, the devil's spice, or I feel like it's, uh, it's either people have a very strong... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Reaction to it. Some people love it when they smell it. I love it. Some people are like, oh, it's just awful. And it reminds me when I use it, I'm like,
2: oh, that's that like magic touch that's in a lot of Chithra's cooking. And whenever I taste it from like, say, a a dose of vendor, I'm like, oh, this is. You know, it, it just ties everything together in this cuisine because it's very distinctive. Yeah. But um, it made sense that you mentioned that um, because they don't use onions and garlic or your mom didn't, um, acafetita sort of makes up
3: for this uh, pungency, I guess. Yes, yeah, yeah. definitely. It's really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when it's fried in oil, it kind of gives off this um, flavor of like leek or. or <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it does, <laughs> though. You're
2: so right. And I didn't. Leeks. Yeah. But, Funky leaks, like almost like ramps, you know. Yes, totally.
3: Yeah. And you don't need to use a lot. It's basically like you just put a pinch in hmm. to the oil. What is it? It's asafoetida? Uh, it's actually derived from the sap of a, a fennel plant. Oh. Um, so it's a. Uh, it's a resin almost right yeah so you can buy it in a whole form which i've done before from india and then i grind it in Uh like my blender yeah and then but here in the u.s i mean mainly it's available in powdered form Mm. um and i do see i mean a lot of times it's cut with uh like wheat flour a little bit of wheat flour is that like cheapskate version i don't know (laughs) i mean i maybe it's too uh i don't know if it 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 lasts longer or blends better i have no idea but i know Calusians um in uh this in the city they have a version that's cut with rice flour Mm. so for like gluten-free people but then again i mean there's hardly any you know Mm. you use like a tiny right, bit right. into each dish. so That is true,
2: yeah. So, um, but it it lends that, cr- that distinct... <laughs> yeah.
3: And I want to say that chitra
2: flavor, but it's, not- <laughs> it's not like a lot of people actually this flavor. Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Um, another thing that is used in South Indian cooking is uh, coconut. Yes. strips of like dried or fresh coconut is that's a big it.
3: thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a very popular ingredient. Um, I mean, it's a uh, a staple uh, crop that's grown mm-hmm. in the South. It's used in almost every recipe, and uh, I usually use an unsweetened yeah. version. Like yeah. nowadays, I mean, in the Indian shop, I buy a frozen, fresh, grated. Coconut, that's very good. Uh, no sugar added, right. uh, but you can also use dried coconut in these recipes. Yeah, can oh, I just I? use yeah. a bag
2: of like Bob's Red Mill? You know the dried, yes. unsweetened coconut. Totally. Strips. Yeah,
3: they have like these flakes, and you can Thanks, even Thanks <laughs> Red <laughs> I know, Thanks, sponsor. Bob's. He like has everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> but like you can put that into a food processor and grind Ooh. it into um, shreds. If if or like, soak it if you want it to be more fresh. Yes, and. In like hot water, it'll plump up a little bit, Mm. so that that is a good way to use that. Would
2: I in a typical household in South India? Would you just have a? A coconut, you just scrape it.
3: <laughs> yes, actually. Really? Okay. There's like a, um, this really cool um, device that's like old. My mom has, it's like a block, a wood block. And mm. then on it is a blade that comes off of it that has like a circular blade. So when oh, you cut the nice. coconut in you make the half. slivers? Yeah, you just oh, kind of cool. like grate it on there. But I mean, even now, my aunts and my mom, they all buy, you know, the, the fresh frozen wow. coconut. Yeah. Um, I know my parents house in bangalore they have coconut trees so my mom would actually um, have like get the coconut and and grate it and then dry it on our roof there mm. and bring it back so she would use some of that yeah. she would use it that way to be able to but
2: preserve then how it how do you open the coconut somebody has to get a like a yeah. hatchet <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> like my mom
2: used to use a hammer yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might I, I see coconut sometimes so I might try that it's you know. yeah
3: I mean it tastes amazing and the coconut water in it even in the brown you know that coconut Double, versus the yeah, fresh win-win. it's amazing which has nothing to do I feel like with the bottled coconut water really it doesn't taste the same oh it's, yeah maybe they had to preserve it and it's all yeah. weird
2: uh, <laughs> no, actually that's interesting let's look into that more um, uh, we're gonna cut to a quick little commercial interlude and be right back chat more
0: Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. When you mill whole grains, you get all three parts, the bran, the germ, and the endosperm. The bran, or the roughage, makes up about 14% of the whole grain. It's the outer skin of the edible kernel. It contains large amounts of B vitamins, some protein, trace minerals, phytochemicals, but most importantly, dietary fiber. The germ is only about 2.5% of the kernel. It's actually the sprouting section of the seed, what's going to grow into a plant. It's usually separated during milling process because it contains most of the fat and therefore has a shorter shelf life. The endosperm is the main energy storage unit of the seed. That's where the growing plant gets its energy before it can start photosynthesizing and making its own. It makes up a huge portion of the grain, about 83%, and it's the main source that's used for white flour. When you make white flour, you get rid of the germ and the bran and just have the white endosperm left. It contains almost all the carbohydrates. It also contains protein and iron and some of the other B vitamins as well. It's kind of what you classically think of when you're thinking of flour. So all that's there when you're milling with whole grains. But when you mill with whole grains, you also get the bran, which is the kind of roughage. And gives the, that's what gives that, that kind of color to it. also gives you extra fiber that uh, helps you to be regular. And you also get the germ, which adds the fat and the flavor, which we all like from whole grains. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast.
2: All right, we're back chatting with Chitra Agrawal She is the author of Vibrant India And the owner of Brooklyn Delhi. That's D-E-L-H-I Um, Mm -hmm. Spices and condiments Um, So we were just talking about some of the major uh, Ingredients used in the South Indian Kitchen And I love that you don't try to water down You know, you don't try to say Okay, well you can just use a curry powder Um, Mm -hmm. Like I've seen Many, you know, recipes do And, uh, you know, probably out of laziness I would do instead of Hunt down (laughs) asafoetida and uh, Curry leaves, which is another one that Another ingredient used a lot Um, whole curry leaves, that is. Yes. So, why did you... Were you pressured to, or did you feel like it would be easier? Because, you know, some of these things are not found... um, Actually, many of them are not found in a normal grocery store. Yeah. So, have you heard... I'm sure you've heard the whole gamut of, like, well, what can I use instead, or Mm -hmm. as a replacement?
3: Yeah. I Uh, mean, I feel like nowadays you can order everything online. You can even order fresh curry leaves online. So... um, I, I feel like if people have just, I think I go through it um, in the book in the beginning, it's like four of these ingredients. If they have asafoetida, black mustard seeds, dried uh, red chilies, and curry leaves, if mm-hmm. they have those four things, you can basically cook everything, a lot of the recipes in the book. Right. So you can even buy dried curry leaves, but you would use double, right? Right, so, right. uh So I felt like that that's basically the, the authentic or, you know, that's a traditional that's way to, it. There's to only, make it. Yeah. Um, and so there wasn't really a, I guess there wasn't really a substitute for curry leaves. No, there's not, I guess. Yeah. So I, I didn't go there, but I, I just, I guess
2: I see, you know, a lot of recipes for Indian, you know, quote unquote Indian recipes that are just to have one powder. Um, I yeah. guess a catch all for everything. So I think it's cool that, you know, you, you've kind of, uh, You know, exposed more and more of these flavors and what they are, and aren't taking any uh, excuses or substitutions. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Hopefully, not to my detriment. (laughs) No, but actually, one thing you do in this book and in your business and in your cooking elsewhere, and, you know, potlucks to uh, pop ups, is you use seasonal vegetables from here that would never be found in India. Yeah. So, one example is the rhubarb in one of your achars. Yep. Uh, what are your, what does your family make of this back in India?
3: Uh, <laughs> do <they think> <laughs> I feel like, um, well, a lot of them, I mean, my relatives are supportive and a lot of them are very excited about this book. And mm-hmm. I think that using seasonal vegetables, though, it's something that happens uh, it's just this, the vegetables that I have here, but yeah. it happens all over. I mean, my parents when they moved here to uh, the U.S., they were using probably different vegetables in these same recipes mm-hmm. than what they grew up having in India too. Mm. So I think that it's just kind of a natural progression, and it's also a um, it's it's not so far from the uh, the, the yeah the way, way that this you this eat. food is cooked anyway. Um, um, it's just that yeah. I have <laughs> these other different vegetables maybe. That but then again, you do have like a lot of recipes here that have um,
2: unique ingredients like the bitter gourd. Yeah. Um, which yeah. isn't exactly your ha- daily you know, <laughs> household staple supermarket produce aisle
3: exactly.
2: uh, thing here in the States. So. Yeah. So there's a blend. Yes, But Definitely. Um, uh, you know, and, and you use, you combine like flavors and vegetables in a really interesting way. Like, so for the sour gazpacho and, uh, yeah. or apl- applications, I guess you could say.
3: So it'd be like um, influences too, just from mm-hmm. like living in New York. I mean, cause we have so much, uh, so many different, uh, cuisines here. So I, I did pull from some of those as well. Yeah. yeah. Like I was remembering the, um, the Vangibath
2: cauliflower. Yeah. How, am I saying that right? First of all, Vang- yeah, yeah. bath. Okay. And um, it's this—it's an eggplant dish, right? Yeah, bath. Yeah, but you use the the powder from it, um, their spice blend, to to roast some cauliflower in, which looks beautiful in this book. Oh, but I, I just have vivid memories of us cooking large quantities of this, for yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like we couldn't get the <laughs> oven hot enough or something, <laughs> and then they were like kind of like sad and <laughs> soggy instead of
3: crispy. <laughs> we also use butternut. I think we use butternut squash oh, that's right. and yeah. And and
2: cauliflower in in that did. yeah. So you could also do that when you come across this vangyboh cauliflower <laughs> dish, and it's I'm sure it'll be much better than when we first.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it experiment. was on top of some farro. We've served yeah. it on top of farro instead of rice, because usually vongi bath is uh an eggplant rice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
2: I I think we must have made way too
3: much because I have vivid
2: memories of like having oh
3: leftovers of this for like weeks. <laughs> 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 yes, probably. I, I think I just remember you coming in with a lot of butternut squash. <laughs> Oopsie Uh, Nothing
2: wrong with that, right? It's it's good for your uh, And also, okay, so one of the One of you and your husband Ben's hallmarks Is whenever you come to the party You have a huge tub And I mean like this plastic (laughs) Like I don't know, I'm like holding, like it's bigger than a globe It's anyway, the biggest
3: supperware It's the biggest like supperware that exists
2: <laughs> And it is full of this uh, popcorn <laughs> it's, it's in this book And it's called Ben's Popcorn
3: Yes, And I love the story behind that Can you tell how that oh, yeah. was born? So I um, When Ben and I first started dating I taught him how to make some of the recipes Like South Indian recipes Because he was really into Just kind of like learning I, I think the first thing I taught him how to make was my lemon, the lemon peanut rice, oh, yeah. which is in the book, mm-hmm. which he actually made this week, too. <laughs> so he he got really into it, and um, so, like, the tempering of spices is a is a big kind of lesson to learn uh, before you make a lot of these dishes. Tempering, you mean,
2: like, you melt some oil and then yeah. you put the butter, the spices in? Yeah, so it's yeah. basically
3: like uh, flavoring the oil mm-hmm. with these spices, and so the I taught him about hing, black mustard, Mustard seeds and the curry leaves so he loves to make popcorn and he basically flavored the butter for popcorn using mm. those same spices um and then he threw in his own nutritional yeast he's like <laughs> of course yeah. and then um and it was i mean we love it we would take it to the we still take it to the movies <laughs> and we also take it to everybody's house <laughs>
2: That popcorn is really good, but it's like the perfect application of um, your spices, and I guess, um, yeah, popcorn. Do they eat popcorn in India?
3: Yeah, you'll find it in um, like street. It's like kind of like street food. You'll see like Mm. a big kettle kind of popping corn, and then you can buy it on the street. Nice. Um, there's so many more things to discover, I'm sure.
1: Like yeah. you,
2: we're only scratching the like you are um, just you know <laughs> scratching the surface of all the applications, and it's exciting. So, okay, so um, what can the average person do to um, I guess prepare a economy uh, or the, their pantry? Get their pantry ready for. Um, All these things. I know, okay, so I'm looking at this image of the spice tin. Yeah. And I've never had a spice tin, but everybody I know who is Indian has always had one. Yes. And it's this perfect, like, little round thing. It's a container in which you put all these containers of your own spices.
3: um, Except for Hing, because it's too sticky. It's too smelly. <laughs> you <laughs> Where leave do you put that. that? In, leave that in its original container. <laughs> <Where>? <laughs> do you put it in the fridge? You hide it? No, I I just leave it in its own. Its Hing own is thing. also
2: asapatito, right? Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. There's so many different
2: words <laughs> for things. Um, I I mean, like, because I'm. I, you know, I've eaten a lot of your food. i I think, I've eaten a lot of Indian food. But even like me, like I'm just kind of like overwhelmed. I'm like, what should I do with all these spices? How should I yeah. best? Should I? What's the point of this spice tin thing?
3: So I think it actually plays a, a large part in the when you're tempering spices in mm-hmm. oil um, because. Uh, you're basically putting in a number of spices in quick succession into the oil, uh-huh. um, and so this spice like thing comes in handy. You take like a painter's palette. Exactly. You go, like, do, 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 oh, do. that's a good way to look at it. Do, do, yeah, do. like a Bob Ross. Like, <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> and I actually have I have two. I have one with South Indian spices and one with uh, North Indian spices. <gasps> too. So I'm just <laughs> I know. I know but with this book I mean I try to really and when I when I teach cooking classes too mm. um I try and introduce the fewest amount of spices also mm. in order to cook like a rice, a yogurt, a salad, a hmm. dal dish or a lentil dish. Um, and I kind of like stuck to that um, in the book as well. Yeah. So you'll find that a lot of the recipes are kind of like based hmm. in this same uh, way of frying like a few spices and then starting the dish. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, this, <laughs> this is like a nice little kit then to
2: have and just... It'll be your mise en place, I guess, when you're yeah. doing that, those first steps. Okay. Now it makes more sense now. I just need to get one of these. <laughs> yeah,
3: you can buy, yeah, yeah. You can
2: buy those online, too, or at the Indian shops. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the spices themselves, too. Yeah. Which you can get online. You could also get Brooklyn Deli online, too, yeah. at <laughs> com. Okay, so your book is all vegetarian. You've been a lifelong vegetarian, and I'm sure everyone is saying or asking you, you know, how, you know, I don't see tofu or like I don't know (laughs) what is it called, like
3: seitan or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, How do you get enough protein? So it's, I mean. Lentils and beans and yogurt. So, the, I mean, this cuisine is centuries old, right? Mm-hmm. So, people in my family have been vegetarian for for that long, and I feel like the cuisine has been honed for nutrition and uh-huh. for taste as well. Um, and so, it's balanced in that in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean. I guess that's that I. Oh, I've been getting that question, yeah, <laughs> since I was like a little kid. Even, <laughs> of course, yeah, no, but I, I love that you know you
2: you really back it up. Um, and um, do you think that there's a, a growing interest? Well, of course, there's a growing interest in eating more uh, or less meat, I guess, and mm-hmm. legumes. But is there a growing interest now in South Indian vegetarian cooking that
3: you've seen? I mean I think that uh, for instance there's been a boom in in people that are practicing yoga mm. and uh, the there's also been I think as a result there's also been an interest in people kind of wanting to understand the cuisine mm-hmm. behind the culture and as cooking well it rather than just... Tasting it from a dose of card. Yeah, really too. yeah, totally. <laughs> so I think it goes hand in hand. But also there is a growing population of people, I think, that are trying to follow a vegan, vegetarian, like gluten-free diet. In, and I feel like mm-hmm. it lends itself to that.
2: Yeah. And it's been around for much longer than uh, some of these newfangled trends, too. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Daily, it's definitely meat. not paleo. Definitely really. not,
1: I don't think paleo is vegan, though.
2: No,
3: no. I'm not even sure it's what's de- on. <laughs> 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 oh.
2: Well, okay. So, Chitra, this book is beautiful, and it's coming out on Tuesday. Yep. And what are you going to do to celebrate?
3: On Wednesday, I'm having a party at Green Grape Annex in Fort Greene, 7 to 9. And there should be, there's going to be, actually that popcorn is going to be there. Nice. <laughs> We're going to have um, appetizers and I'll be there signing books and you can buy a book there. And Get we'll a signed have, book. Yeah. <laughs> awesome.
2: And um, so, so Green Grape Annex in Brooklyn. Anywhere yes. else?
3: Um. I think in the that I'm just g- that's for, just for now, be for yeah. now, yeah. just because I have this baby coming. <laughs> she has another arrival,
2: and uh, any in a month or so. Yeah, so <laughs> two babies at once: book baby and real baby. Yep. what an exciting time! <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for joining us again here on Heritage Radio Network, and uh, I could not be more excited for this book. I hope everyone checks out Vibrant India now from Ten Speed. Um, thanks, Chitra. Thank you for having me. All right, thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words.
1: Ooh, I like the way you do. Whoa, the way you took it so slow. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network.